You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Are you ready to break free from the chains of anxiety, stress, and depression? Mike Moore, author and founding pastor of Faith Chapel and host of the How to Win podcast, is here with his new book, Help, My Mind is Under Attack. Learn how to overcome attacks on your mind and live an emotionally healthy life. Embark on your journey to complete mental health and emotional peace. Pre-order your copy now. The book releases December 5th. Available as ebook on Amazon and paperback on Mike more.com help my mind is under attack hello i'm mike moore and welcome to the how to win podcast these podcasts are based off second corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 it says now thanks be unto god who always causes us to triumph and Christ. Welcome. I'm so glad to have you. I've been waiting on you. We're going to have a good time in the Word. I began a series, and unfortunately, I'm going to end the series today entitled, Taking Advantage of Your Advantage. Taking Advantage of Your Advantage. Now, the theme of this series is the advantage that believers have when dealing with the death of loved ones. The advantage that believers have when dealing with the death of a loved one. I was talking to my daughter, Tiffany. Tiffany is over my podcast. She's the director. She's in Mike Moore Ministries on my staff, and she's over my podcast. These podcasts that I'm bringing to you, she oversees it. And I was sharing uh, something with her, and, and I should just briefly share it with you. The Spirit of God shifted me. I wasn't planning on teaching on uh, dealing with the death of loved ones. I was on a leadership track, and the Spirit of God shifted me. I was happy about the shift for several reasons. I was happy about the shift for several reasons because this is an area that I believe God has given me insight. As a pastor, he gave me insight. And even though now I'm not functioning as a lead pastor, I still love pastors. And I want to get information out to pastors that could help them. Because sometimes I think we would do better if we knew better. And sometimes people go to funerals and they really don't get much out of the funeral. I mean, they don't get the support. They don't get the encouragement. There's a threefold purpose for a funeral. Number one, to remember and celebrate the life of the deceased. Number two, to equip the family to make the transition without the person's presence. And then thirdly, to reach the laws. And I've been at funerals, unfortunately, where none of those goals were reached. So I want to I just feel this this desire to help pastors give insight on how to take information and, and present it in such a way where the people can be blessed 
so that people that don't come to a funeral that you are uh, officiating or given the eulogy, they don't get anything from it. Your job is to equip people uh, the family to be able to just, and you got a short period of time to do it. But I, this is what I said to my daughter. I said that this is important to me because I am a seer, S-E-E-R. I um, am in a new season. I pastored for 41 years in eight months, one church, and I pastored another church for about uh, a year. So that's 42 years and eight months. I transitioned out, and I'm leading now a ministry called Mike Moore Ministries. That's what you're listening to now, Mike Moore Ministries. Right before uh, I began to transition out of, of being the lead pastor of a church, the Holy Spirit called me a seer. Now, he had said for years, I've said that I stand in the office of a prophet because he said that I was ordained a prophet to the nations. So I knew my uh, office that I functioned in, but he had never said that before. Right before I transitioned out of the pastor of the church that I was pastoring, he spoke those words to me. He said, seer. For the first time, I knew what kind of prophet I was. Seer uh, is a certain kind of prophet, and a seer has visions and dreams and revelations. And God gives me visions or night dreams where I see and hear things in the night season while I'm sleeping. I keep a journal and I write those things down. And many times he will show me things that have not happened. So when I uh, had this unction to teach in this area, taking advantage of your advantage, I knew that the Spirit of God was revealing to me that there was someone that he wanted to minister to, and maybe you're in that position right now, or he wanted to prepare people for the future because he saw you experiencing the death of a loved one. Now, I'm not trying to put fear in you, but that's true. If Jesus should tear, all of us will be in the family seat. So I've been talking about the advantage that we have as believers that the unsaved don't have when our loved ones die. So we've been talking about the peace advantage, the joy advantage, the strength advantage, the hope advantage, the comfort advantage. And in our last episode, I talked about adjusting to the new reality, the change that takes place, the different life you experience when your loved one dies, because when you your loved one dies, there's a void, there's a gap, there's an empty space. And adjusting to that is challenging. In this final lesson, I want to talk from the subject, your life is not over. Your life is not over. A new life awaits you. Your life, even though a significant loved one has died or will die, your life is not over. I want you to remember that your life is not over. A new life awaits you.
In Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 19 in the New King James Version, it's our background text, and it says, Do not remember the form of things, nor consider the things of old. God says, Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You may be in an experience of a, 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 a challenging time. Uh, the death of a loved one can feel like a wilderness. He says, I'll make a road in the wilderness. It can feel like a desert. He said, I'll make rivers in the desert. Now, there are two things in this text in juxtaposition. There is the former things, and there is the new things. Former things, new things. Former things, new things. Former things, new things. And one word separates these two things, and that one word is change. You have the former things, change, new things. You cannot experience your new life. And see, even though your loved one died, you are not without a new life that awaits you. Even though your loved one died, your life is not over. The time that you share it with your loved one before their departure represents the form of things. Now God is promising that even though that person died, your life is not over. A new life awaits you. New things and changes on the thing that connects the two together. Because you cannot experience the new life and hold on to the old life. That does not mean uh, you don't have memories and, and, and can enjoy those memories. My God brother, a minister, Connie Blaylock, he would teach, I remember uh, uh, sermons that he would, uh, give at funerals, and, and there was one thing that he said, it just resonated with everyone. It became a mantra. It, it just, it became something that you hold on forever. He says that God gives us the gift of memories. So when we say you cannot experience your new life and hold on to the old life, we're not saying just throw all your memories away. We're not, that's not what God is saying. God is simply saying that life is not over for you and that he has some new things for you. I pastor for, for 42 years and eight months, 41, and eight, 41 years and, and, and eight months in one church, and I pastored my first church for around a year. So for 42 years, I stood in the office of a, a, a lead pastor, the pastor of a congregation. At the first of this year, 
my son uh, transitioned in the church. I transitioned out. He transitioned in. Now he is the lead pastor of the church that I pastor, uh, Faith Chapel. He is now my pastor. That's a change. It's a change for him. The formal things, he was the executive pastor for 10 years. That's over. Now he's the lead pastor of the church. That's a new thing. I was the lead pastor for 40 uh, some years. Now I've transitioned out to a new thing. Mike more ministers. I have a new office. I'm a seer. I have a new assignment to coach and mentor. Now, God doesn't want me to forget everything that I learned in the former life, the former season of my life, but he doesn't want me to try to hold on to it. He doesn't want me to try to hold on to it because if I hold on to it, I can't experience the new opportunities and the new things that God has prepared for me. And I'm saying, in a sense, that's a form of death. So you can take this physical death, literal death, or you can take this going from one thing into a new thing. It's a new opportunity for me. But I can't enjoy it. I can't maximize it. I can't experience over here in this new thing that God is, is presenting if I'm trying to hold on. That's what I'm talking about. A new life awaits you. Your life is not over. I want to look at a character, Abraham, uh, in the Bible. And Abraham was married to a, a woman that many Bible students recognize as Sarah. They were married for at least... 62 years. That's a long time to be married to anybody. Uh, and yet his long time marriage with this wonderful woman, and they had a great marriage, it ended. In Genesis 23, 1, the first verse through the second verse, I read it to you in the New King James Version. It says, Sarah lived, that's Abraham's wife, uh, 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So Sarah died in Kerjoth Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So at 127 years old, she died in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And I understand that. You can understand that. You've been married to somebody above 60 years and they depart, they die. Man, that's, that it requires a transition. I talked about it in our last session because there's a new reality for Abraham. Think about that. She died at 127, which means, because Abraham was 10 years older than her, at uh, Abraham was 138 years old. So she died at 127. He died, he's, uh, he's 137 years old. 
because they're 10 years age difference. Genesis 25 is a very interesting text, verse 1 through 2 in the New King James Version. It says, Abraham again took a wife. That's another wife. He took a wife after having been married for above 60 years. He took a wife and her name was Keturah. And she bore him Zimram, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. That's 1 Chronicles 132. That's Genesis 25, 1 through 2, pardon me. And it says in 1 Chronicles 132 that Keturah was Abraham's concubine. So apparently he married his concubine. A uh, concubine was a wife, but a almost like a secondary wife. But here the Bible says he married her. And Abraham lived 30 Eight years after Sarah's death, because Abraham died at 175. If Sarah died at 127 and Abraham was 137, you got about 38 more years to go, Abraham, because he doesn't die till he's 175. So somewhere around 140 years old, he married this girl, Keturah. And, and coincidentally, she was a Cushite. She was a black woman. So he entered into an interracial marriage. That's interesting. But now notice, after being married for above at least 62 years, Abraham marries another wife. Sound to me. And that other wife had six more children. Abraham is handling his business. So think about that. A new life was awaiting on Abraham. He could have said, I don't want to be married anymore, and there's nothing wrong with it. If you're here and you're saying, listen, I had a great marriage or I had a bad marriage or whatever, and I don't want to be married anymore, there's nothing wrong with you. You have the right to do that. You can be at peace with yourself. Enjoy your single life. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that if you want to be married again, a new life awaits you. A new life awaits you. And I'm saying, even if you retired and maybe you worked a job for 40 years or uh, you retired, I'm saying there's a new life for you on this side. You can apply this principle to other things other than marriage. God has a new life for you. Life is not over. Now, you can decide that it's over, and people do that all the time. They retire and die because they don't see anything else available to them. They're always looking back. Now, I want to give you some keys rest of the way for entering a new life. In fact, I want to give you five, five keys to this new life that awaits you. Number one, a positive attitude about your future. You have to have a positive attitude about your future. In fact, 
if you don't have a vision of the future, you're going to perish. The Bible says, well, there's no vision. People will perish. And some people, they don't have a vision of the future. Think about it. Pray about it. Pray about it. You've been married, your spouse died, or you went through a divorce, or uh, pray about your future. Let's say you worked a job, and now you're in that, uh, a season of your life. Pray about your future. Don't just settle for your best days being behind you. Don't do that. When you settle for your best days being behind you, then you have a negative attitude about the future. Some people have a negative attitude about remarriage and all those kinds of things. As a man thinks, so is he. Man, I tell you, I pastored all those years and I loved it. I love my flock. My flock loved me. We had a great time. It was wonderful. I have no regrets, no, no regrets. But that season is over. And I'm excited about my future. Now, when I look back, I look at my son. He's my pastor. He's doing a great job. And so I'm so excited for the church because they're growing and going and doing great things. And, and, and they will come where they're going to be so much farther than where I could have took them because he is anointed to get the job done. I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. But I'm excited about the season that I'm in because most people, when they do something for 42 years, man, they're through. They're finished. It is over. I'm not like that. The Bible said we go from glory to glory. I'm looking at the next thing God got for me. God got so much in store for me, and it's a new season. It's some new things. It's a new life, and I'm excited about it. What about you? Do you have a positive attitude about the future? If you don't, you're not going to experience the new life that God wants to bring your way. Second key, be willing to let go of the former life. Don't throw away the memories, but don't try to relive it. I'm not going to try to relive it. I'll help my pastor, my son. I'll, I'll give information. I'm on a teaching team, but I'm not going to try to relive Pastor and Faith Chapel. I'm not just I'm not going to do it. I'm going to help. I'm going to support, and that's what I'm doing now. I'm helping and I'm supporting, but I'm not going to try to relive it. You have to be willing to let go of the former life to enjoy the new life. The third key is appreciate God's unchanging love. God loves us in every season of our life. One season can end. Think about it. Summer is ending. God loved us in summer. We're in fall. God loves us in fall. When we hit winter, God will love us in winter. When we go to spring, God will, his love is unchanging. Jeremiah 29, 11 in the Message Bible says, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, you know this text from the traditional king verse. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. You know that text. You've read that. That's probably one of your favorite texts in the Bible. But I like the Message Bible, too. Listen what the Message Bible, Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I know what I'm doing. That's God speaking. He said, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. 
plans to take care of you, not to abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. God didn't just plan your past and your present. God has already planned your future. And he says he's already made plans for you to enjoy the future you hope for. Be positive, a positive attitude. Be willing to let go of the former life. Third, appreciate God's unchanging love for you. Number four, understand God's eternal purpose. Jeremiah 1.5. Before I created you in the womb, God said to Jeremiah, I knew you. Before you were born, came out of your mother's womb, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nation. So God establishes our purpose in eternity to pass before we were born. So any relationship that we enter in, if it changed, break off, maybe divorce, death, whatever it is, God's purpose doesn't change because it's purpose was established before we met the person. So even though the person dies, the purpose continues because God didn't create it to stop with the person. It was to fit the whole of our life, every season of our life. So the key to the new life is to understand God's eternal purpose for you. You have purpose. I was, uh, uh, years ago, there was a, a woman who was married a long time to her husband, and they were pastors. And uh, she came across my book, Weep Not, and she said that it helped her. She had gone through counseling. She had done different things, and she just was having a hard time transitioning but she began to realize that a new life awaited her, that her life wasn't over when her husband died. And finally, the fifth key to a new life is to take off the grave clothes. Take off them grave clothes. Where you get that from? In John chapter 11, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, come forth. De Lazarus had been dead for four days. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came wiggling up to the mouth of the tomb. And the Bible said when he got to the mouth of the tomb, because they would wrap you uh, in those days in cloths, you know, and prepare your body and put you in a tomb. So he came up there and his, his hands were bound. He came up to the tomb, hand bound, feet bound with cloths, and his head was wrapped around with cloths. And even though he was alive, he was still bound. So Jesus says, loose him and let him go. In other words, take the, the grave clothes off him so that he can engage life again. Well, that's what you have to do. You have to take off the grave clothes. And I got three that I want to, well, actually, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six that you, grave cloth that you got to take off. And I'll give them to you right quick. Number one, you have to take off the grave clothes of idolization. Idolization is glorifying your departed loved one. You can glorify your departed loved one. Okay, you, 
you're never going to have another relationship if you're glorifying your departed loved one. Now, here's what I mean. In any relationship, we bring spouses strengths and weaknesses. My wife is my very best friend. We've been married for 45 years, but she's got some weaknesses and she's got some strengths. I've got some weaknesses and I got some strengths. She's not perfect. I'm not perfect. So sometimes, though, especially if you had a good marriage, when the person died, people tend to idolize their deceased loved one. They even talk like the person didn't have no weaknesses, didn't have no flaws. So they can't meet anybody else because this person is idolized. I mean, think about it. This is a perfect person. I had a perfect wife. I had a perfect husband. No, you didn't. You didn't have no, you didn't, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't have a perfect husband and a perfect wife. You had a husband and a wife and you had a good marriage, but that spouse had weaknesses. So don't idolize the person. When you idealize the person, you can't meet anybody else that's going to be a blessing to you because they don't match with the person that died. Idolization. I got, I, I got another one. I guess I'll throw it out to you now since I talked about that. Another uh, great quote is comparisons. You can't compare all the women if you're a man and your spouse died, if you're a woman, your husband died. You can't compare all the men and all the women to your spouse. That's unfair because nobody can be like your deceased spouse. Comparison is grave clothes. Martyrdom, I see this too. Martyrdom, especially if you were married to a famous person. A people, a person that everybody knew and everybody liked. Sometimes this happens really to, in more cases, to women than it does to men. Martyrdom is sacrificing of one's life for the sake of a principle of preserving the past. And I see that happens when women who were married to really famous people they become, and maybe it's personal, maybe it's a choice. And if they made the choice, then forget what I'm getting ready to say. But sometimes women, uh, widows, they become martyrs. And they sacrifice ever marrying anybody else so they can preserve the, the legacy and the past of this person. So they never marry again. Now, if a person chooses that and that's what they want to do, that's not a sin. That's nothing wrong. They can do what they want to do. I'm not talking about that, but I'm just saying some people feel like I need to, especially women, they're going to preserve that person's life. And they they don't even, they're not going to ever get married. They may have a little boyfriend on the side because they still got needs and they still want companionship, but they're not going to marry because they're trying to preserve the, the legacy or the name of that individual. I call that martyrdom. I think that's grave close. Generalization is saying or believing something is true all of the time when it's only true some of the time. Generalization is a general statement or belief about a group of people that is based on only a few people. For example, I'll give you an illustration. Let's say 
you had a, okay, uh, let's use this illustration. Let's say you had a bad marriage or an unhappy marriage and your spouse dies. Well, general relations say, I want to I be married again. I want to be married again. I want to go through that again. I don't want to go through that again. Well, see, that's a generalization because you're basing a future marriage on a past marriage, and you're saying the future marriage will be unhappy like the past marriage when you don't have but a small sample size. You were married to this one person. It wasn't happy. And even if you were married to five folk, doesn't mean that God can't present you with somebody that's different than the person that you were married to. Generalization is grave clothes. Fear of the unknown. Sometimes people say, listen, I know what I got now. I don't want anything else because I know this. But if I marry somebody else, I don't know what that's going to be like. The fear of the unknown. Uh, we talked about comparisons. Finally, one that I think is just so self, it's just rooted in selfishness. And that's other people's expectations. I have seen it with my own eyes, heard it with my own ears, known it through experience where a person that was married, their spouse died, and their children did not want their dad or their mom to remarry. And in some cases, they were married. They're married. That is so selfish. That is super selfish. Man, I'm telling you, my mama didn't want to get married again. You know, she don't want, she getting the check, so she just happened. So. But I would have loved for my mother to, to have a, a, a somebody, a companion. I would have loved that. But some people, they, that's my mama. And I don't want you, uh, they want the husband, they want the daddy to be a martyr. They want the, the, the mama to be a martyr. Because they love this person, they don't want this person, and they dad or mama's like, that is so selfish. That is so, them grave clothes. I wouldn't let, well, that's teaching purpose only. I don't care what, what they say. You got to live your life. They live in theirs. So don't let anybody live in their life try to tell you how to live yours. Listen, I'm out of time. I'm out of time. I'm out of time. But I believe that over these eight sessions that we talked about, taking advantage of your advantage. I know we've said something that will help you. You can go back to Mike Moore Ministries, pull these lessons back up, and it'll be a blessing for you. It'll be a blessing for you. I love you. And here's what I believe. I believe that God has brought comfort to you. And I speak that to you in the name of Jesus. I pray for supernatural comfort, supernatural peace, supernatural joy, supernatural strength, supernatural hope to you if you're experiencing right that right now. And then if there ever time that you find yourself in the family seats at a funeral, that the Spirit of God will bring these scriptures and these lessons back to your memory. This is my last podcast for this year. 
2024, we're going to begin uh, a new uh, episodes of different series and teachings. And I believe I'm going to focus on, on finances. I believe I'm going to focus. I believe it's going to be my prosperity uh, edition of How the Win. But this ends our year of podcast. And I just, I know you've been blessed. We'll take a little break and then we're going to come back in 2024 and we're going to have a blast. I love you very, very much. I look forward to seeing you then. Introducing the Mike Moore Ministries mobile app, your gateway to spiritual inspiration and godly leadership. With a host of practical features, it's like having a personal spiritual guide in the palm of your hand. Watch and listen to the How to Win podcast, get exclusive early access to the Answers That Work broadcast before it airs on television, receive uplifting and thought-provoking nuggets, and stay up to date with Mike Moore's speaking engagements through an interactive calendar. To download, visit your device's app store and search Mike Moore Ministries.